0: Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.
1: Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone. As he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, up to to bat, bat, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone, and today on the program, I'm joined by another one of my favorite teammates. He's a seven-year big league veteran and currently is the color commentator for the Philadelphia Phillies. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Ben Davis to the program. Ben, thanks for coming on. Booney, thanks for having me. How'd you get an invite to this? <laughs> I know the right people. <laughs> no, I appreciate you having me on. It'll be fun. it would be nice uh, catching up with you and and seeing how everything's going, for those of you uh, tuning into the Boom podcast, Ben and uh, myself were teammates, 2002 to 2004, in uh, in Seattle. That's where I got to know him. And and I said on the opening, I, I say it with a smile, but it is true. Ben became one of my favorite guys uh, in the clubhouse for for three years, and and uh, big part of those big part of those Mariner teams. And, um, we, man, we had a lot of fun, Ben. here, here's, here's the first thing that I think of when I think of Ben Davis, I hear his name or, or we don't run into each other that often, but when I do, I just think during those years in Seattle, we, we were our, our, our lockers, where was your locker, Ben? You were, you were across the way. I was up next to Dan Wilson and Jeff yes. Nelson.
0: Yeah. Yes. You were on the a
1: complete opposite end. Right, so Ben would just come by, my and I'd look at. I'm waiting for what's Ben got for me today. And the my favorite thing, and you know this, is this is back before, you know, there were goatees in our day, but nobody had these full beards like all the players have now. Right. So Ben, every every you know, every once in a while, he would uh, he'd shave, but he'd leave his mustache, <laughs> and he'd come over, he'd come to my locker, and he'd look at me, and he'd go, "Hey, Booney, how you doing today?" And the only the only guy in major league baseball at the time that donned the mustache was Jeff Kent, but everybody else, it was that the porn stash and Ben would come up and he'd just go, Hey, Booney, how you doing? (laughs) I I tried to say it with a straight face. (laughs) It it was great. And everybody, everybody uh, loved that. Tell me, tell me your recollection of those teams. You started off your number one pick with the San Diego Padres. You came over to Seattle. Uh, You went on from there, but just, just tell the, tell the boom podcast, those years you remember in Seattle, Oh two to Oh four. I'm sure there's a Lou story in there. An Edgar story. You take it away. I think that's probably what I remember the most are the characters
0: that were on the Seattle Mariners. You know, I get traded over from San Diego and it was kind of, it was heartbreaking to me because that's all I had ever known. I get drafted by San Diego. I come to the big leagues. I'm there for, for, you know, three, four years. I had the year of my life. And then that December I get traded to Seattle. I'm like, Seattle, it's like the end of the world. And I go up there and everybody was so accommodating. They were so nice. Um, some real characters on the, on the ball club, some genuinely nice guys. And, um, you know, it, I, they made me feel welcome right away. So it was, it was a ton of fun. And obviously I go from San Diego where we weren't, we were okay. We were competitive, but then I go to a juggernaut of a team that the year before won 116 games. And, um, You know, it was it was fun. And we go from I go from no designated hitter to Edgar Martinez. So it's like, man, this is outstanding. And, um, you know, I I will say that I would that team in particular, when I tell people about where I was and who I played with, I would say that that particular team, yourself included, are the guys that I tell the most stories about. You know, Uh, our producer here in um, in Philadelphia, I told him yesterday I was going on the on the broadcast with with Booney and he goes, I've never met Brett Boone, but I feel like I do because of all the stories that you've told me about the Boone. So um, it was just it was a great time in Seattle. It was a great city. The ballpark was was obviously amazing. I called it the eighth winner of the world at the time because it was just phenomenal. And, um, you know, it's just just a lot of fun.
1: It was those are the those are the years. Uh, it's your first year. You got you got a little taste of Lou Pinella. Yeah. And I always love on this show talking about, Lou, because you know, he's like my favorite guy of all time, but you talk about characters. (laughs) He led, he loved, he led the character wagon at the top. Uh, Give me, give me a Lou. Give me, give me one of your fondest memories of Lou. Ben, by the way, I got to uh, at the All-Star Game this year, it was back in Seattle, and I was up there for all the festivities. I got to hang out with Lou again, and and when I first, I, I see him, there's, there's like a like, on the second floor at the hotel we were staying at, there was a little concierge for the, for the ex-guys that were there, you know, mm-hmm. for, for All-Star Week. <laughs> I'm coming home from dinner. Now, It the concierge closes, like, at 6 at night. So, I'm coming home from dinner, and it's late. And I I think I had a meeting over what I had to, just with, with guys in my party, what we had to do the next day. So, we just met in this lounge because it was vacant. Nobody was there. And it's, like, 1030 at night. And I look up. I'm sitting on the couch, and, and we're finishing up. I'm getting ready to go up to my room. <laughs> Lou pops in. He's by himself. He's like Mister Magoo. I said, Skip. <laughs> kind of looks booty. What's going on? I said, Uh, what are you doing? He goes, Well, I'm, I'm looking for my schedule. <laughs> I said, Lou, it, it closed at six. It's ten thirty. And he looks at me. He goes, Oh. Well, I guess I'll have to do it tomorrow. <laughs> so he gets back up to his room. I see him a couple of days later. We got to go out. Uh, it was pretty cool. That 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 one team got together a little bit. A lot of the guys came back. Kazuhiro Sasaki. Haven't seen him in 20 no years. No way. He came yeah, back. Yeah, he came back. He came That's back. Awesome. And right before the game, they announced that 0-1 team, or uh, the All-Stars from 0-1. Mm-hmm. And Lou is a part of it. And I'll tell you what, it was cool. We went down. They stuck us in this like equipment room in in the current Mariner clubhouse, and it was myself and Johnny Olerud and Edgar and Junior was standing by because he had to throw out the first pitch. Buner was there, uh, Kazahiro Nelly, and for about twenty minutes. I got to sit on the couch with Lou and you know how I always did. I'd get him going. I just yeah. skip. What do you think about this? You know, I know it's going to be controversial or get him going. And he just, he went off and he just told stories for 20 minutes and all the guys in the room, seeing their faces light up. It was like, we were back 20 years ago. And it was, it was one of the coolest. I, I, I really, I had a great time for four or five days in Seattle. But that one twenty minute segment was pretty pretty darn special. Being back, yeah. Your interpretation of Lou, well, uh, he was he was a lot different. You know, I go from
0: probably the most mild mannered manager Boat. in baseball with Bruce Bochy to Lou Pinella. I mean, complete one hundred and eighty. Uh, I always tell the story. There's two stories I always tell, and one is Jeff Cirillo signs a three year deal with Seattle, mm-hmm. and if you played the corners for Lou, you had to hit homers. And Jeff Cirillo was a he was a forty five double year guy. And it was the first day that he practiced. And you know how, so for those of those that don't know it, I'm sure it's come up before, but yourself and Ichiro would play home run derby pretty much from swing one. And it was like, who could beat who? So they, I don't know why I was in the particular round of the spring training, but it was me, you, Cirillo, Ichiro, and I, I forget. I think it was maybe Mike Cameron. So it was like the first round and Cirillo gets in there. He's peppering balls, left center, right center, left center, right center. And then Ichiro gets in, and he starts launch balls. And he goes, "Hey, Je- Je- Jeff- Jeffrey, get over here, son." So he goes, he puts his arm around him. He goes, "Come watch this Japanese fella." <laughs> 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 and, and I was like, because you know Ichiro and yourself, you're just launch balls and batting practice. And it was like, I'm like, this is this guy's first day in spring training. So it was, that was the one story I always tell. And the other one I tell is so as you were mentioned, the locker. So it was me. Jeff Nelson, John Olerud. And we all know that John Olerud is the nicest human being. He ain't Dan Wilson, nicest human beings you could ever meet. So it was a Saturday night. Lou comes in, and, he's, and he stands next to Oli, and he says, hey, big John, I'm going to give you the day off tomorrow, son. And Oli looks at him, and he says, but, Lou, I was four for four tonight. I'm feeling pretty good. And he goes, I know you were, but what are the odds of you doing that tomorrow? <laughs> So then he goes down to your locker and he goes, Hey, Bodie, I'm giving you a day off tomorrow. And you said, the hell you are. And he goes, all right, you're in there tomorrow. (laughs) So that's the way it rolled. Uh, But he was, he was different, man. Obviously um, you know, there are times you get thrown out of a ball game and, you know I'd go up and you know take some swings or whatever and he'd be walking around smoking a cigarette and I'm like this guy's heart's gonna explode and it was on a daily it was on a daily basis I go down to Mac and you know John McLaren's a bench coach I said, Mac skipper doesn't look too good he goes oh he looks like that every day don't worry about him so um it was just he was he was he was fun to play for and he kept you on your toes uh but he was he was great he was
1: absolutely great how did he look? he looked all right He looked, yeah, he looked good, and and he was, you know, he's getting a little bit older, but we all are, but he he still had that Lou way about him that, uh, you know, and I won't share it here, but he had a, he had a funny line to me, you know what, maybe I will share it, This (laughs) this will be a little controversial, but he, uh he said, he said he was getting ready to, to check in for the night. And he was, I forget who he was. Oh, 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 he goes, Booney, They they tried to catch me on a hot mic. He was getting interviewed Mm -hmm. and he goes, uh, he goes, yeah, he goes, you know, I'm getting a little bit older because I need my rest. I used to not need my rest. And I was, I was doing the interview and all of a sudden they said, Hey Lou, uh, you know, what are you doing these days? He goes, well, and he goes about his day He goes, and then me and the old lady, we turn in around nine o'clock. He goes, you know, I'm kind of like that, 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 that Biden guy. <laughs> and he goes, booty. I knew they were going to run with that. You know, and make it a political thing, he goes, I'm not really political. He goes, but I did. <laughs> no, he's and and not. it's just, but I can't do it justice for how he delivered the line. Right. You, you oh, could, his delivery you, was outstanding. His you, delivery you was probably, outstanding. Yeah. You could imagine. Um, But to, back to the Cirillo thing, you're right. I remember Jeff because Jeff was a teammate of mine at USC. So mm-hmm. I knew Jeff coming in. I was probably the only guy I knew on that team. I mean, he's, he hit 300 in the big leagues five right. times. Yeah. And I do remember early on in spring training, Lou giving him hard time. Oh, and I he'd look awful at, Cir- for him. he'd look at Cirilla. It was, it was like the first week and he'd be like, Hey, hey, Cirilla, whatever you're doing in the National League, that, that ain't going to work here <laughs> this week. I said, Skip, this guy, He's hit 305 times in the big leagues. Leave him. I mean, he's treating him like he's this guy right off the, you know, in in, in a ball. But yeah, you're right. He's uh, and I had played against Jeff so many
0: times because when I was in San Diego, obviously playing against the Rockies, we played them so many times. And, you know, you had Helton, you had Walker and and Cirillo. I mean, it was not easy to get through that lineup. And Jeff was just a doubles machine, uh, especially at Coors Field. But uh, yeah, Skipper had his way with him. That's for sure.
1: Another one of my favorites, and then we'll get off that team. Was it's uh, still one of my favorite guys? Was was Edgar, Mister mm-hmm. Magoo, sitting in the corner? He was Uh w- What do you remember most about Edgar? Uh, for me, I tell people he was just that—that that, uh, for how great he was, uh, just that that humble presence that we had amongst, like you said, a bunch of characters. Yeah, I remember him just sitting in his locker doing his eye exercises with those
0: with those red and blue and pink dots and all those things. You know, getting his eyes right for the game. Um, but I remember him doing that. I always remember him measuring his bats, weighing his bat. Remember that
1: scale he had? He, he was, ran me out of the game because oh. I started measuring mine. I had no problem, and then it, by the end, I was just I, I couldn't deal with it. I was a psychological mess because they didn't because they didn't weigh that certain. 32.3. It's like, no, they, they sent me the wrong ones. These are 32 twos. Right. Yeah. I remember Eggers had to be what, between 30.5
0: and 30.8 ounces, I believe, weren't they? I mean, there was like, and he had that scale and he put them in a the styrofoam cup. and was, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, uh, but what a professional hitter. My gosh, it was, he was fun to watch. Uh, unfortunately, the one year, remember it was, I, I don't know what time of the year it was, but remember he tore his hamstring running first, we were in Anaheim and he had to have it surgically repaired. And a week later, a week later, he's down. I'm hitting this, this guy hitting off the tee. I walk down. It's Edgar. I'm like, Edgar, what are you doing? You're like, you could just have your hamstring repaired. But that's the way he was. He was such a professional and uh, just a great guy, all-around great guy. But it was – that whole team in general it was a fun pitching staff to catch um, and just watching you guys just mash the ball around. It's, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun.
1: Uh, one more thing, and then we'll move on. I got to tell the, the people listening to the Boom Podcast or watching the Boom Podcast. We're starting to put them out on uh, on YouTube. I, I I forget the year, Ben. You're going to have to help me with this. Okay. We're in Philly. We're in the visiting clubhouse. Mm-hmm. And Ben, I, I haven't seen Ben. And for, for the story's sake, I'm going to say Ben's in the training room. <laughs> we clean it up, but but there's a uh, for those of you, for, okay. The police never come to our locker room. Nobody ever comes to our locker room. I mean, we've got it's in the big leagues. It's pretty well secured. When you're in the visitor locker room, nobody can really get in. So all of a sudden, I see these officers in the front of uh, you know the door of the visiting locker room in Philadelphia, old veteran stadium. <laughs> and somebody says, Hey booty, the cops are here. You, you want to handle it? And I, my first thought is what's going on here? I go, yeah, officer, what do you need now? As the story goes on, they were the fish and game officers, but they look like, yeah, right. But they look like police. My first thought is, holy shit which one of my teammates, where were they and what did they do wrong last night? Cause the cops never come looking. Right. And he looks to me. I said, yeah, Brett Boone, you know, I shook their hand. I said, can I help you? He says, yeah, we're looking for Ben Davis. And I go, what the hell did Ben do last night? <laughs> and I'm running around and I'm like, has anyone seen Ben? Yeah, I think he's here. He's thinking, I finally find Ben and like I said, for story purposes, he's in the training room. I said, Ben, Because, because I was genuinely worried. I said, "What'd you do last night?" He goes, "Boy, I didn't do anything. I went. I think I uh, stopped by. I got a bite to eat here, and I I turned it in early last night." I said, "Well, cops are out here looking for you." And you kind of look at me like cops. I said, "Yeah." Well, it's the fishing, (laughs) fishing game. You finish the story. Yeah. So you come in and get me, and I'm thinking because I was staying.
0: I, you know, I'm from here, from Philadelphia, um, and I was staying at my own house. So I go, you know, I had my. My wife dropped me off at, at the ballpark and you know, you come in and say, it's the cops. I'm thinking, Oh no, someone got in an accident, blah, blah, blah. I'm like starting to where I run out and there were four of them and they were, remember they're standing there. And the one says, Mr. Davis, we have a warrant for your arrest. And I'm like, what the hell is this guy talking about? <laughs> and remember what Arthur Rhodes, he goes, get the hell. He starts screaming at him. And I'm like, I said, can we go outside, please? So we go outside and said, what is this in reference to? And he said, uh, you have an unpaid uh, fine so that the winter before I had um, I I got in some trouble with the game commission. And basically I was trying to cover for my buddy who had committed a, a, a wrongdoing. So I took the fine. I tried. I lost the fine. I called them numerous times to pay the fine. I never did. So they came in and they said, "We have, you know, we have one hundred and seventy-three dollars and fifty cents for your fine." <laughs> so I pull out one hundred seventy-five cash. I give it to him. I said, "Keep the change." And I said, "Another thing, if you ever want to come to a big league clubhouse, why don't you call me? I'll let you in." And I was just, I was furious that they used that stage to come right. in. You know, right. it was just, it was obnoxious. I mean, they're acting it like obnoxious. it was
1: a murder scene, and <laughs> it, it, it was like you didn't pay the full fright for your. Full freight for your deer tag. Right. Exactly. But we're going to make this in the middle of a big league clubhouse, you know, with reporters there. Yeah. They're all like, what's going on? You know, they're looking yeah. for a scoop. I'm looking at you. I'm like, Ben doesn't look like he went out last night and partied. I said, <laughs> right. he looks fine. He looks bright eyed. I think he's playing today. And, yeah, it, uh, was, it was, it was, and it ends up being the, like the dumbest thing ever, but yeah. it was a scary story for me. Cause anytime, you know, you see cops in a clubhouse, it's like, nobody comes in here. Nobody. This must be a real serious, you know, <laughs> but I remember you coming to get me. I'm like, Oh my God. And I'm like, going I, I am like, I got that panic on my face. Like Ben, what'd you do? Right.
0: So, <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, again, you never know what you're going to see at the ballpark.
1: Grew up in Philly. Uh. Now work for the Philadelphia Phillies have have for several years now for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, during your career, because you left Seattle after 04. Um, when did you decide post career? My brother took this route. I mm-hmm. I didn't take the route. I you know, I retired and I I went away for ten years. Aaron was one of those guys. You know, at the end of his career, he had made it known, hey, I want to get into broadcasting. He went to ESPN. Uh, we all know that. When did you decide, was it something you knew before you were done playing that, Hey, once I'm done playing, I want to get into the broadcasting side of baseball. What, when did that come about for you? I I always had thought about it. Like what, what am I going to do after baseball? I'd never went to college. So I
0: didn't have a college degree to get, you know, quote unquote, a real job or whatever. And I I remember it was, uh, it was December of 2010 and I didn't know what I was going to do. And I was at a, I was, I was at. I went to Malvern Prep and uh, they were having a Christmas party that December. And I remember I was, I was in there and just kind of thinking, you know, what am I going to do? I run into Fran Dumphy, who's a Malvern Prep grad. He was also the head basketball coach of now LaSalle, Uh, but he was the head basketball coach at Temple Forever and then University of Pennsylvania. And he said, uh, Hey, why don't you go on TV and talk about the Phillies? I'm like, okay, okay, Fran, how the hell am I going to do that? And he knew some guys down at Comcast and you know, I got an interview, uh, I got my feet wet, you know, getting on camera, and then eventually, you know, started doing pre and post game shows. And then eventually, in uh, 2015, it opened up where I could get into uh, into the booth doing the color. So um, it was just kind of, you know, getting your feet wet. And once I started doing it, I loved it. I still love it. I wish I could do every game. And uh, unfortunately, I don't do every game. But, you know, when I'm not in the booth doing the color, I still do the pre and post game shows. Um, so it's it's just a great... I still love being around the game. I love talking about the game Uh, next to playing. I really feel it's the best thing to do because uh, you're still in the clubhouse with the guys talking about the game, you know, throwing things out there, but I don't miss the 0 for 4s. So that's what really is uh, kind of the, the best of both worlds in that scenario. In the fact that I can I can still be around it, talk about it. And despite never having played for the Phillies, having grown up here, going to all the games as a kid, I know more about the Phillies than any team I ever played for. So it's, it's kind of comes naturally in that aspect and, uh, getting to work with some great guys. It's just a lot of fun.
1: You mentioned growing up in Philly. Uh, I grew up in right across the bridge in Mm -hmm. New Jersey when dad was a Philly for all those years. Um, Philly's different. You know, I moved on, I went to Southern California for my high school college years and, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of West coast guy now. But my childhood was in Philly. It's a different animal. Um, and I have nothing but the fondest memories. You know, I, I grew up in Jersey. But, yeah, you're kind of Jersey Philly. I, I yeah. mean, I was a half hour from from the ballpark over the Walt Whitman. Um, so I know what that's like. And a part of that, I really miss being a Southern California guy because it's different. It's that city growing up there. I mean you're a Philly fan, but if you're a Philly fan, you have to be a Flyers fan and and you have to be a Sixers fan and you definitely have to be an Eagle fan. It's the culture. It's the way it is. I think it's awesome, Mm -hmm. especially um, from a, you know, from a player's perspective, you know, we, I played in Seattle. I played in, in Cincinnati, San Diego, and I, and I loved all those places But a part of me at the end of my career, I kind of wanted to play in New York to feel like what that was like Uh, or a Philly where where it is truly. It's a different atmosphere. Those Mm -hmm. fans are their own. Explain to the audience what it's like growing up in Philly and what it means to be a Philly fan.
0: Well, I think first and foremost, we're very passionate about our sports and you're right. You got to be a four, four for four guy. You know, Sixers, Flyers, Eagles, Phillies. And uh, being growing up in this area, I think that just the the passion for the sports, everything, what it's cool about is everything is right there. So you go to South Philly, everything's right there. You you got the link right there where the Eagles play, and then you got the Wells Fargo Center, and then you have Citizens Bank Park, all a stone's throw away from each other. And it's just the camaraderie with the fans, it's their passion. And they come out in droves, and they just they love it. They love everything about it. Uh, Talk radio here is is you know off the charts, and the the biggest thing about the fans is again the passion. But they will love you if you're two things: if you one play hard, and two you're accountable. And I think you look at what happened with Alec Boehm last year in Philadelphia. He had three errors in one game, and the last one, the camera got him saying. I hate this bleeping place. Mm-hmm. And he said after the game, he goes, Did I say it? Yeah. Did I mean it? No. And he was accountable. The very next day, he doesn't start the game. He comes up in the eighth inning, now batting Alec Bohm, standing ovation. The fans gave him a standing ovation because he was accountable. He owned up to it. Yeah, I said it. Nah, it's just the heat of the battle. I didn't mean it, but yeah, I said it. And that's what the fans like. If you're accountable, you know, look what they did for Trey Turner this year. Since August 4th, he's been the best player in baseball. They gave him a standing ovation. Trey was struggling mightily, hitting 235 at the time. Now he's hitting what, 266 with 26 homers. If you would have told me that would have happened, I'd have said you're full of it. Uh, but they, they, they saw how hard he was working. They saw his interviews. They knew he, this is not the player they signed him to be, but he was accountable. They owned up to it. And ever since August 4th, he's been, again, been the best player in baseball. So, uh, it's just a, it's a fun place to be last year in the playoffs. You know, Phillies hadn't made the playoffs till since 2011. So it had been a minute since they made the playoffs. Once they got in last year, it was, I, I'm telling you Booney, we would do the pregame show and I'd walk over to the ballpark and watch a few innings. I thought that place was going to fall down. It was so loud. And that's the way it is at Eagles games. That's the way it is at Sixers games. It's just the way it is. It's the, 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 the camaraderie of the fan and the fandom it just it it means a lot to the city. It's uh, if you're a hard worker. It's a very blue collar city. If you work hard, these fans will show up in droves and support the heck out of you.
1: I mean, I remember growing up there. You know, one of the greatest. You know, people say the the greatest third baseman of all time, Mike Schmidt. I saw him get booed out of the building, so I could imagine when you when you mentioned the Trey Turner thing uh, coming over here, a lot of accolades, but a lot on your plate, huge contract, yeah. going to Philly. If you're not owning up to it, I, I could imagine that pressure that Trey was uh, Trey was feeling. And, and you said they gave him the standing O and ever since. He's been one of the best players in baseball the second yeah. half of the season. Uh, you mentioned Malvern prep. Give me, all right, you got to give me this. Played against Kobe as a high yeah. school kid. Give me, give me a Kobe Bryant story against Ben Davis. And did you get the best of him? Uh, a couple times,
0: but he was just on a different planet. Uh, we always played in the Christmas tournament every year. And it was, you know, he was a year younger than me. So, you know, he starts as a freshman. He's like, man, this kid's really good to play as a freshman. Sophomore year, I'm like, man, this kid's going to go D1 somewhere. Junior year, it's, oh, the K. He's not going D1. He's going to UNC. He's going to Duke. He's going someplace huge. And then my first year out, um, you know, I signed out of high school. I, I would go back and watch him play basketball as a senior. They're throwing him alley-oops from half court. I'm like, what? His progression every year was just off the charts. Um but I, I think one cool thing my senior year, they did beat us. But I was I had a I had a good I had a good night. And that our head coach's wife was sitting amongst all these scouts. Again, Kobe's only a junior. So uh, uh college scouts I should say and uh one of them said to the other scout man I that 31 I really like his game and then Mrs. Tossi turned to him she goes yeah I think he's gonna take a different route in sports. <laughs> So that made me, that made me feel good. You know, I was they're they're here to see Kobe, but like, Hey, look at that 31, man. He's at, he's lighting it up. So it was, uh, but he was, he was phenomenal, obviously, and, and went on to have one of the best NBA careers of all time. And obviously very unfortunate to what happened, um, you know, with him and his daughter and, you know, he's, he's missed every day, but, um, I, we were just there for a volleyball tournament in the, in the Kobe Bryant gymnasium at lower Marion. And, uh, there's a few photos of him. He donated the, the gym and, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. But again, he was missed. And I tell people I played against him like, no way you played against Kobe. I said, oh, for, for three years. Yeah. So uh, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. In
1: 2015, did, were you on WIP? Uh, t- yeah, I was. In, in, when you when you first started, Ben, did you bring were you talking? All right. When you're on WIP and you're just getting started,
0: mm-hmm.
1: are you talking to the audience as a player or as a a kid that grew up in Philly, which, which angle are you taking or it a combo? I think it's a combo. I think it has to be a combo
0: because a, the 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 listeners out there are trying to listen to your quote unquote expertise. And you want to say why, you know, being a a color analyst, you're the why guy. Why did this happen? Was it good? Was it bad? Was it indifferent? Why did that happen? Why did Brett Boone lay out for that ball and go to second base for that, with that play? Why? He knew the runner was slow. He knew he had time. So there are the things that you got to throw out there. But then you kind of get into it as from a fandom standpoint because yes, I did grow up here. This is a great place to grow up. Um, and, you know, I I am a Phillies fan. I've always been a Phillies fan. Uh, one quick story: my first time in at the plane at the vet with the Padres. You know, remember the, where the bullpens were down the lines at the vet? So I'm warming up the starting pitcher, and this guy, if fans were above you, this guy dumps a beer on me. He goes. Hey, welcome to Philly! And I look up. I go, dude, I'm from here. He goes, well, welcome back. <laughs> so, I tell that story all the time. But you know, Philly fans sometimes they they take it a little too far. But it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I think it, you have to look at it from that at that from that standpoint. Like, yeah, you know. I am a fan and I do want them to succeed. I want, I do want the Eagles to win next Monday night against the Buccaneers. And, you know, you, you want that to happen, but I think there has to be kind of a a balance in between there.
1: You mentioned that Phillies team a year ago. Kind of, and and, you know, Ben, I, I, I've thought about this a lot. I've had a lot of guys on, on the boom podcast to talk about playoffs and it's different than, than 15 years ago, let alone 30 years ago, where Mm -hmm. Two teams from each league got into the postseason, and it was one round of playoffs, and it was a World Series. Nowadays, I think it's better for the game from an entertainment standpoint. I think it grows the game to have this many cities involved so deep into the postseason, and now there's 12 spots. I don't think the regular season is as – well, I know it's not. The 162 is not as important as it was in 1985, obviously. Correct. It's just getting a seat at the table. A year ago, that's what Philly did. They got a seat at the table, uh, got to the World Series of two games from being being World Series champions, and yeah. nobody gave them a, uh, a shot in hell of doing that. I had Tim Salmon on the show, and he talked about that 0-2 Angels team that snuck in last week of the season as a wild card and never looked back. And he said, Booney and, – and it's the first time it made me think this way. He said, Booney, we were playing playoffs games – for the whole month of September and everybody was just waiting for who was going to be in next. We got in at the last minute. We had so much playoff. We were, we were playoff hardened. And he said, nobody was ready for what we had. We were hot and and we'd been in this, this mode. And these guys are just getting started because you know, they had clinched. I think back to, to teams that I've been on that clinched early and then never got to the world series, let alone win it. Uh, there's something to be said for that, getting hot at the right time, especially in today's uh, atmosphere. Phillies are at it again. They're they're five games in the wild card in the plus category as of today. Um, let's talk about that division a little bit. Tell me about this Braves team. I've been keeping my eye on them. I mean, it seems like they don't have a weakness. You know, no. it, there's some good teams. I watched the Dodgers recently, uh, had a series with the Mariners. So they swept them. A lot better than I thought they were. I mean, that's a really good Dodger team. But this Braves team, from from offense to 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 the starting rotation to the bullpen to the defense, I mean, there's just not a weakness. You're getting to see it obviously covering the Phillies a lot more often than I am. Tell me how good this Braves team is. Are they are they as good as I think they are?
0: They are. Uh, if anything, maybe their only weakness would be the bullpen, and we saw the Phillies exploit that in the last cup, the last seven games that they played against them. Uh, so if you get the starting pitching out, you have a chance. But this lineup, I mean, what are they, five guys in the lineup with 30-plus homers? Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., in my opinion, and i you could agree or disagree, I think he's the best player in baseball, period. Um, he can beat you in so many different ways. He's so talented, and it's going to be a thorn in the Philly side for years to come. But what Olsen's doing this year, off the charts. Acuna, obviously, Albies has 30 homers. Uh, Ozuna is playing great. They have two very good hitting catchers. Uh, there's really nothing that they can't do. They are really good and are going to be good for years to come because of their youth. Uh, Snicker does a great job with them. Uh, Kranitz, their pitching coach is phenomenal. Uh, he used to be here in Philadelphia. He does a, a great job with the staff. Um, I think what those two do, uh, obviously uh, Seitzer is their, uh, their, their hitting coach. They just have a, they have a great, Staff. Ron Washington's the the third base coach. uh, uh You know, uh, Young is their their first base coach. So there's so many. I mean, big league experience. They must have. I don't know, 200 years in the game. It seems like with big big league experience. So this is a ball club in the Braves that they again they can beat you in so many different ways. If you, I think the only way you can beat them is that you, from a pitching standpoint, you have to keep the ball in the ballpark. They start hitting homers, you're done because they have so many different guys that can do so. But they are really, really good. Um, you don't want to give your opponent too much credit, but they are they are tough. They are really tough.
1: Another thing in the National League this year you've got to witness. Uh, I've, saw, I've seen it here because I live here, San Diego. Uh, two probably biggest disappointments, biggest surprises, New York Mets, San Diego Padres. Being on the East Coast, you well. Being in the National League, you get to see them both. But being on the East Coast, especially, you're you got an up front, you know, close seat to that Mets situation. What happened with the Mets and the Padres this year?
0: That's a good question.
1: Uh, you look at the. I, I, hold on. The, I got a ton uh, of good. <laughs> I, I, the the Padres
0: are the one that really are surprising me, and and the Mets, you know, obviously you see them a lot. But we just came back from San Diego. I think on both counts. There's a question of team chemistry there. You know, I, I think there's just something missing. That's what makes this Phillies team so good because these guys love each other. They're generally love each other. They root for each other. Uh, they never get complacent ever. And when they have a bad game, they, take, they wear their heart on their sleeve. Uh, and they're back at it tomorrow. They're very professional about it. I think there's too many me, me, I, I guys on both teams. That's the way I look at it. Uh, obviously that the Mets thought they were going to have it with, you know, the two headed monster of, of, uh, you know, Verlander and Scherzer didn't work out. They trade them both away. Um, they just not able to spend all that money. Both teams spend all that money and not, I mean, on paper, they should both be in the world series, but that, you know, the, the, the game is not played on paper. It's played on the diamond and, uh, they just, I, I think there's too many me, me, I, I guys, that's the way I look at it. They just don't play, uh, good team baseball and, and you're seeing the results. I mean this is both teams. They're just we were out in San Diego. That team looked defeated before they took the field. They looked defeated. And I look at that that the way it is with the Mets. The Mets are in town right now playing the Phillies. Um, they just look like a like a beatball club.
1: Yeah and we've seen that I mean we've both been on ball clubs where um for no rhyme or reason something goes on behind the scenes. And I try to tell people that <clears throat> being a base, you know my whole life has been, you know, growing up in in Major League Baseball, and and then my career. And but I try to tell people once you're retired, that's exactly what you are—you're a retired player. You still yeah. have the you still have the insight and the baseball intellect. But the only people that truly know what's going on are those 26 guys in that room. Yeah, and, and and that's the only way you're you're privy to it is being one of those 26 guys. I'm with you on the Padres. I can't figure it out. I mean, I look I... on paper, you've got four perennial MVP candidates in the lineup and they've all been healthy all year. Yeah. And then you look at the pitching side, which I thought they were going to be, they were going to pitch decent. They pitched at the top of the national league the entire year. Yeah. Stells going to get this Cy Young. Right. And yeah. they're not even close. I mean, they're 14 games out from the Dodgers who have been absolutely devastated with, with losses in their starting rotation. Yeah. Uh, their their lineup but they find a way to get it together they probably have something going on like those Phillies do just something the camaraderie you can't replace I used to think that that was a misnomer oh oh oh! they've got great chemistry I'm like now screw chemistry you get the best players and you steamroll your opponent well I've learned that that's not always the case you know and that I did that with personal experience in the early days in Seattle I, I have a question for you, and I'll stay out of the American. The American League is, is different this year in these pennant races. You've got, and I've talked about it to nauseam, so I don't, I don't want to spend too much time in the American League, but it's basically the Houston Astros, Seattle Mariners, Texas Rangers, and Toronto Blue Jays vying for three spots. I think there are four really good teams that could go deep into the postseason, but I want to concentrate on the National League and how different it is over there. Like I, like I said, those American League teams, I think they're all viable and they're all fighting for that wild card spot.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if the Blue Jays get in the World Series. Right, you exactly, heard it from exactly. me right here. They are good. Now,
1: they're I good. look at the National League. That wild card, to me, is much different. Okay, Atlanta, the Dodgers, let's just call for argument's sake – Milwaukee, and I'm going to put the Phillies in. They've got their five games. There's only 12 games to go. I'm I'm going to, for, for argument's sake, I'm going to say the Phillies are in. So we got four spots already taken care of in the National League. Now that leaves the Diamondbacks, the Cubs, Miami, Cincinnati, and the Giants, who are kind of trying to play their way out of it right now for two spots. The difference in the National League and the American League for me is those American League teams we talked about they all got a chance to go to the World Series. Yeah. I look at those those wild card spots outside of the top 4, Philly being the fourth. I don't look at Arizona, the Cubs, Miami, Cincinnati or San Francisco being a factor once they get in with Atlanta, Dodgers, Milwaukee and Philly being at the top. Those are my thoughts. Ben Davis's thoughts.
0: I would agree with you. I would agree with you. in the fact that the, the, the team that I don't want to see is the Diamondbacks because they got a couple of good starting pitchers and, you know, they're playing some really good baseball. They have some young guys that are very dynamic offensively. And uh, if you get them at the wrong time, they can, they can beat up on you. Uh, I don't see the Cubs. I just don't see enough offense there. I know Bellinger's having a great year, but I don't see enough offense there and, you know, Again, you're talking about a bullpen that's that's just kind of making it through there. Uh, the Marlins have very good starting pitching, but Alcantara's well, on the IL, um, Solaire's on the IL with his oblique injury. Uh, they, I just don't see enough there by the Marlins. And then the Reds, I think they're just kind of you know getting by right now. Uh, you know, I root for David Bell, former teammate of yours, obviously in Seattle. Uh, he's doing a great job with them, but I just don't think that they have the you know if they were to get in. They're so young, you know, maybe it could go one of two ways for the Reds. One, they're so young, they don't know any better. Or two, they just don't have that experience that could lead them uh, down the road. But I think that's a very astute observation by you and the fact that you're right. Those are four American League teams. They definitely could go to the World Series. But I don't don't see that with with regards to the, the ones in the National League. I just don't think there's enough firepower there offensively. Pretty much, you know, with the exception of the Diamondbacks, I do think the Diamondbacks can score some runs. But I just don't think – and starting pitching, uh, which, again, the Diamondbacks have, but I don't see it out of the other three clubs. I just don't.
1: This Philly team, uh, are they better than they were a year ago? They
0: are, uh, for the simple fact that they have Trey Turner. <laughs> I mean, he yeah. has – and, and Cassianos has had a resurgent year. I mean, Cassianos has 103 RBIs and 28 home runs. I mean, that's – if you would have told me he would have that last year, uh, this year, I'd be like, yeah, sign me up right now. They're, they are better. The only thing that has concerned me is the starting pitching other than Zach Wheeler has really kind of dropped off. And the bullpen, which was been so strong throughout the course of the year, they've kind of tapered off as well. So uh, if anything, glad to see that they're going through this rough patch right now. Hopefully they get that out of their system. But this lineup, man, I, you, I said it before, the professionalism of this lineup, it just it just doesn't end. It's just one through nine is just and the fact that Bryce Harper is playing first base now that gets Kyle Schwerber off his feet and out of left field. Uh, you know, Kyle Schwerber would be the first one to tell you how yeah, not the best out there in left field. And, uh, you know, having Marsh out there in left field and then Rojas, who is one of the most dynamic center fielders in all of baseball, that makes their defense that much better. So uh, right now they are they're playing pretty good baseball. And, and uh, again, a team that can really hit the ball out of the ballpark. Uh, they are better than last year. But the Braves are better than last year. The Dodgers are better than last year. There's a lot of teams that are better, and but just as long as they get in, that's all they're, they're rooting for or hoping for right now. And then you never know what could happen in the playoffs. It's like hockey. You know, you get that hot goalie. you can ride them as long as possible. This lineup continues to click. They can be uh, they can be a thorn at someone's side for sure.
1: For the Phillies to say win the pennant, what's the most important thing? out of all the elements that go into winning, what's the most important thing you see X must happen for the Phillies to win the pennant. I think the, the
0: starting pitching needs to step up again, with the other exception of Zach Wheeler, who's been great all year. He's had a few comfort clunkers, but he's been, he's been awesome. Uh, We got to see, we got to get a better version of Aaron Nola. We have to get a better version of Ranger Suarez. Um, And maybe some of these, you know, I I don't know if Walker Taiwan Walker is going to be in the rotation, I don't know if Michael Lorenzen is going to be in rotation. I know he threw that no hitter in his second start here in Philly after getting traded uh, from the Tigers. But, you know, since then, it's kind of been a rough patch for him. So maybe those guys move to the bullpen and and maybe can eat up two, three innings on a given day. But the starting rotation, I think this club is only going to go
1: as far as the starting
0: rotation is going to take them.
1: Everything we've talked about in the National League, am I missing anything? Am I – Am I overlooking the Brewers, or are they not a factor? Or am I overlooking them? Because it seems like year in and year out, the Brewers have nothing that hits you over the head going, this team's great. But it seems like year in and year out, they're going to the postseason. I don't know how Craig
0: Council does it. I and mean, you look at their lineup, you're like, okay, you know, whatever. But if, if you go into a three-game series, and we saw it firsthand this year, if you go into a three game series with Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta, good luck. You know, that's like when we had to face Mulder, Zito, and Hudson when, when we were playing the A's. Like if you got those three guys on a three game series, it was like you're hoping to scratch out a couple hits. Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta, these guys are nasty. And Burns, I think, is the best of them, obviously. But my God, I mean, they're, they're strike throwers. They fill it up. They have overpowering stuff. And they have the ability to punch your ticket. So, uh, you know, that goes a long way in the playoffs. They are, those three are, I I, I would say, you know, again, say what you want, but I'd see that that threesome is one of the most, the, the best three-headed monster in baseball. That's how good these guys are. And, again, you don't get to hear a lot about them because they're in Milwaukee. And, right. you know, it, it, that's the way it is. But I would not sleep on them. Um, you know, it depends on how Yelich's back is flaring up again. Uh, you know who's having a great year is Contreras, their catcher. Um, who came over from Atlanta, he's having a great year. But offensively, I just don't know if they have enough there. But pitching-wise, they got it. And their bullpen is legit. Obviously, with Devin Williams in the back end of that, their closer, they got some guys that can chuck it out there. And, uh, you know, pitching and defense goes a long way in the playoffs.
1: All right, Ben, I'm going to leave you with one final question. Born, raised in Philly, now a member of the Phillies broadcast – Favorite Philly of all time. Could be current or past. Can I give you
0: three? Yeah, give me three. So, obviously, Mike Schmidt. Okay. Darren Dalton, who was a catcher, and I just grew up idolizing him. And Juan Samuel. (laughs) Loved Juan Samuel. He was infuriating because he'd strike out four times in a game on sliders in the dirt, and the next game he'd go four for four with two homers, a triple, and stealing bases. He was... God, he was so talented. So I would say those three guys were were my guys. Absolutely. All right.
1: Ben Davis, I appreciate you coming on, man. That's a lot of fun catching up. Uh all the best to you and the Philly. Uh, to you and the Phillies for the for the rest of the year and for this playoff run. Um Keep up the great work, man. And it's always I good to you. Stay yeah. in contact, Ben Davis. Will do. I, I do.
0: I, I got to say, I do enjoy the text and in-game text that I get from you. Like, why is Booty texting me about this game?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm randomly <laughs> watching a Philly game. I'm like, oh, there's Ben. I hear him. I hear him in the booth. I'm going to give him an earful. Uh, but, uh, no,
0: I appreciate it. It's, it's uh, It was great catching up with you. And I got to tell you the salad up top man that's solid still it's, still, it's gotta, still rocking, isn't it it's still I don't, rocking, and the buddy the thing
1: about it is now i don't even have to i don't have to put the highlights in it's like the gray is kind of turning into a little bit of a blonde if you have a tan so yeah. i don't even need to put the highlights in anymore how do you do it Booney? how do, how do, do i do it i don't know i just keep doing it all right for those i appreciate of you, it for those of you listening to the boom podcast or watching the boom podcast i appreciate you tuning in but until next time we'll see you